It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 123 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. I'm so glad you're listening, because this week I get to talk with Brian Joins, one of the creative forces behind Krampus from Image Comics. Now, Krampus is a holiday legend that has been cropping up here in America a lot in the last couple of years. And talk about great timing, Mr. Joins actually has a miniseries that's coming out about that very subject, with a lot of interesting twists and turns and background into Santa Claus that we may not have known before. He talks how the project got going, and also what the future might hold for the book, as well as some other projects he's working on. Then everything wraps up with two news stories I think you're going to want to know about. There's a lot to get to, so let's get to it. Every year on Christmas Eve, children fear his name. He looks a lot like Beelzebub. But they are not the same. He travels round with Santa Claus. Saint Nick ain't his friend. He comes from the northern Alps of rural Switzerland. Because he's Krampus, Krampus. I'm telling you all about Krampus, Krampus, Krampus. Swing your birch switch high. With matted fur and sheep's horn. Frankly, dear, he smells Accompanied by the melody Of rusty chains and bells He'll scoop you up and throw you in His nasty burlap sack He rears back with a cane and switch And takes a yuletide whack Krampus, Krampus Don't you know about Krampus? Krampus, Krampus Swing your birch switch high I want to welcome to the podcast Brian Joins, creator of such comics as The Seven Guys of Justice and Imagine Agents and now Krampus, which comes from Image Comics. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm good, Wayne. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's good to talk with you. I'm curious. The, the first book you did was a self-published title called The Seven Guys of Justice. <laughs> yes. That was uh, and, what, 2000 to 2003, I believe. Oh, was it? How many issues did you create? I self-published 13 of those. Mm-hmm. Back when everyone was trying to do like the self-published thing, you know, I mean, not not quite as bad as the '90s boom, but kind of maybe the tail end of that. So, mm-hmm. and I had um, I had a little bit of extra money lying around from another um, job I had done, and um, figured, hey, you know, I read comics my whole life, so let's go to try. And I always gravitate towards more comedic heroes like. Um, the Tick or Ambush Bug and stuff like that. So it's like it just seemed like a natural fit to go that route. Yeah, it was a parody, and of course, the Seven Guys of Justice reminds me of a couple of team books that I might know. But where did the concept come from? Did you just sort of you have that kind of perspective on books? You kind of see the comedic elements to, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I remember noticing that the number seven was very prevalent in you know like the Justice League, for example. And then mm-hmm. if you go through, you can find. Uh, like there were seven main characters on Star Trek and stuff like that, and it's just it just seemed like seven was the right number to start. And I just I wanted something that was equally 
very pompous, but also kind of ridiculous. And so, you know, the seven something of Justice Men, you know, guys was just like the most mundane, down to earth thing I could think of. So I thought it was a nice way to kind of offset the hubris of the justice, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't get a chance to read them, unfortunately, but I'd like to. But it sounds like a fun thing. Of course, parodies are great fun. I always like variety in my reading. And so I, I'm going to track those things down and see if I can't uh, give them a read. Yeah, I'll now, worry right now. Um, I lettered the first four issues, and there's a reason why I am no longer lettering comics. So <laughs> okay. if you can, can get past that uh, that maelstrom of talentlessness, it uh, you'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, from there, you went on to do some of my favorite books from Image Comics, as Noble Causes and Dynamo 5, both of which I really loved. Those were great comics. How did you get to work on those? Um, well, I met Jay Ferber probably around... 2000, 2001, at San Diego Comic-Con. I was down there with seven guys, and Noble Causes had just rolled out, and I was familiar with his work from Generation X and some of his Marvel stuff. Um, he, I think he'd just done a New Warriors series that I was kind of digging on, and so I was at that stage where I was just like, you know, very wide-eyed and about the industry and like I can make it here I can da 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 and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I went and I was going around to a lot of creators whose work I respected and just giving them copies of the book and like you know hey you know stuff that you've done I, I really enjoyed it or it was a big influence on me and Jay was very you know receptive to that and he gave me some copies of Noble Causes the first miniseries that um, Image did and we just kind of kept in touch. It started out more like, hey, really enjoyed this, really enjoyed that, back and forth. And then it's over the years, it's, I was a groomsman in his wedding this last year. So wow. he's become, you know, he's one of my best friends and probably, probably my best friend in the industry. That's great. Yeah. And after Seven Guys, I uh, kind of wandered for a while. I, I fell in with a company that um, I did a lot of writing for, but they were more interested in collecting intellectual property, I think, at the end of the day. And so I kind of wasn't doing a lot, so Jay threw me the odd bone doing a backup in Noble Causes, or uh, or it was it was like the extended family collection first, and then a, then I did a backup series in Noble Causes, and then the odd Dynamo Five thing. Mm, that's great because I got a chance to talk with Jay, and he was talking about that he wasn't certain Dynamo Five would ever come back, but I would sure like to see you guys do those things again because those are fun. Oh yeah, Dynamo Five was great. I mean. You know, they have that one book out now that's very similar to Dino 5, the, uh, the one about the the James Bond guy with the offspring coming together. And it's, I don't know, it just, I don't know, it seems like one of those things where, you know, you have to be aware of Dynamo 5 and you just kind of shrug it off and say, oh, I'm just going to do this anyway. Just, I don't know. Not to accuse anyone of anything. It just, it just mm-hmm. seems like it's something of a, a little too much of a coincidence. But Yeah. Well, a good idea gets uh, used occasionally, so sure, it was a good sure. idea. Now, the next thing, according to my records, that you got involved with was Imagine Agents mm-hmm. from Boom Studios. And that's kind of an interesting concept. I like the fact that it's, it has to do with imaginary friends, which I like. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? It was a miniseries, right? Yeah, it was a four-issue miniseries. It just wrapped up in January, and the idea was... It was about a team of operatives that go after the imaginary friends of little kids when they're not on the up and up. The the basic idea is when the kid turns eight, they stop seeing the imaginary friend, 
And so the friend is kind of left to their own devices. They can either wander around or they can go stay at this kind of retirement community. There are multiple iterations of this around the world, and we just happen to have our set in Seattle. The people who facilitate getting the imaginary friends to these communities, or if they get out of hand, you know, they they go their own way and then get into trouble or start raising chaos or whatever, this organization called Imagine, which stands for the Institute for the Management, Acclimation, Guardianship, and Incarceration of Notional Entities, hmm. which took me a couple hours to get that acronym figured out, so I'm pretty pretty <laughs> proud of that one. <laughs> <laughs> like shields and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, uh, so, so ridiculous, okay. but also kind of cool. <laughs> So, okay, that, that came out as four issues. Is that going to be collected into a trade? That will be collected into a trade, yes. I haven't heard of any hard dates for when it's going to be out. I would probably say late third, early fourth quarter of this year. Okay. And if anyone's listening and they read the book and they liked it, sales of the trade will play a big role in determining whether we get a second series. So, you know, if you liked it... You know, support the trade, buy the trade, tell your friends to buy the trade, whatever. Because I would love to do more with those characters. And, you know, I think we left it at a spot where we were just getting ready to, you know, take off. So, so you know, I'd love a chance to dip my toe back into those waters. So, but that's it's all, it's all sales. It's all sales about of the trade at this point, it seems like. So, well, it'll come out around the time for the holidays, so people could buy them and give them as gifts. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'll be sure to inundate people with Facebook and Twitter to remind them of that fact. <laughs> well, good. Well, it's a great concept again. And I, I think that people will like, especially I think this might be something for like younger readers and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's one of those books I didn't, I didn't you know, sit down to intentionally write it for younger audiences, but I think you know, just the nature of the story lends itself to younger readers. And, may, I don't know, maybe by not trying to do it as a young reader's book, that's what makes it more palpable for young readers than a lot of the young reader stuff. It's kind of, not everything, obviously, but a lot of stuff feels like you're, you're kind of writing down to the kid. So... Mm-hmm. I don't know, but um, I'm, I'm I'm very very proud of that book, and I hope I get a chance to do more. Yeah, it would be great. Sounds like a fun concept. So yeah, and let us know because we'll definitely want to get out and support it. Oh, so. yeah. Okay, now the, let's get to Krampus. Yes. Which uh, right away the title I have a question about. You put an exclamation point at the end of Krampus. Uh-huh. I found that interesting. Is that because uh, normally titles don't do those kinds of things? Uh, did you do that to like draw attention to it, or how? Did, what was the exclamation point? Oh, uh, it was. <laughs> it was partially drawing attention to it. Partially, you know, I knew I knew the tone of the book was going to be a little. You know, it was going to be dark. But it was going to be a little silly and irreverent. And I studied theater in college, and so I just the old joke in theater is like when you're going to do like a terrible musical, you just throw an exclamation point at the end, and that makes it seem that much more important. <laughs> so it's like I don't know. It's like, it's like that is that musical theater stuff kicking in. Like it's not just Krampus; it's Krampus, you know, and then jazz yeah. or something like that. So <laughs> okay, that's great because I I like that. Now I only found out about Krampus like about a year or two back. There's a Christmas podcast I listen to called The Christmas Stocking. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy in charge of it talked about it, and I never heard of this character before. So I was fascinated because instead of you had Santa Claus, now you had what I call the Anti Claus. Right, right. <laughs> and, 
and I just found that such an interesting thing that it used to be you would get a lump of coal, but not only do you get the lump of coal from Santa, but Krampus comes out and does bad things to you if you're a, a bad kid. Oh, yeah. How did you look? I think um, American culture kind of dropped the ball by not embracing Krampus because, you know, if a little kid is going to be well-behaved near the holidays to get a good present, imagine how they would be if the threat of imminent harm was laid out there with them, too. <laughs> See, this thing kind of makes me laugh because, you know, I, I never believed in Santa Claus. So for me, you know, I, I, my mom took me shopping one time and bought all these Christmas presents. And on Christmas Day, they were under the trees. Exactly. So my mom was Santa Claus to me. So I never actually believed in the legend of that. So, But uh, as far as like Krampus goes, it's only recently come to America. How did you find out about Krampus or when did you learn about him? Oh, I learned about him probably like 2000, ooh, like Three, two thousand four, around there. I was at that point where you know I was starting to really recognize like kind of the crass commercialism surrounding the holiday and everything like that. And I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he's like, "Yeah, we just need to send Krampus out there." They and I'm like, what, "What's Krampus?" And he like told me, and it's just it's one of those things where you hear and just a light bulb goes off, and it's like, "I need to use that someday," you know. <laughs> and then I, I saw I saw him on like the Venture Brothers Christmas special, and. um and after that, I, you know, you really hadn't seen him. You know, he had, he had like you said, he became really prominent this year with, he was on Grimm and American yep. Dad, and he had a write-up in the Atlantic Journal, and now Kevin Smith is doing a movie, apparently. And, um, but yeah, so it's, and it's just, it just was happenstance that I had this character, this myth I wanted to use, but I didn't really know what kind of story to put him in. And then mm-hmm. I was working on another, trying to figure out another story, and I don't even remember how I was just out on a walk and all of a sudden like doing the story with the Krampus as the protagonist, mm-hmm. it just clicked. And all of a sudden the rest of the world started filling in with like, well, he's working for Santa. Well, no, cause there's always like a Krampus and Santa thing. Well, what if there are many Santas, you know? And, and it's like mm-hmm. this whole, it just kind of grew from there. And then it became my, I, I've described it as like my league of extraordinary Christmas stories, you know, just pulling in every <laughs> Christmas tale myth thing i can think of so mm-hmm. that's one of the fun things about the book is the the organization of santas which i thought was kind of fun you see there's there's obviously the way santa claus is portrayed all the way around the world and when i first saw it, i said that's kind of cool because you know everybody always thinks there's just one santa claus and to have a group of them and you know you've got one main one but you've got the other ones from all around the world and i just i thought that was so much fun you know okay. you're doing you're filling in the legend real well not only are you introducing Krampus but like to american audiences you're giving like european versions and and asian versions and stuff of santa right right and i so i get the odd email from someone who's like well where's this santa and it's like but dude you know i gave you 19 you know the artist is going to have like a <laughs> tennis elbow if i'm if i had to call it i had to call it somewhere but Mm-hmm. But uh, near the end, I will say we might see one or two new additions to the society, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the way that uh, Santa goes to Krampus because something's happened to the Santa Clauses. They kind of lost their magic, mm-hmm. and so what they have to do is they have to go to Krampus. And they find a way to, to involve him. I love the fact that he's got this bomb on his chest that if he's naughty, it'll explode and kill him. Right. <laughs> I thought the only way they could possibly get him to help them is to make it that it's a life-threatening thing if he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. That was a very um, – I, I will be the first to admit I owe a lot to uh, to John Carpenter and Kurt Russell and the whole Escape from New York idea for that one. But, uh, yeah, it's like what would compel the Krampus? Well, his – you know, a threat of his life. But then I, yeah, I didn't want to just do, 
well, there's a bomb that we can trigger. It's like it, I, I just I wanted to really tap into the whole, you know, again, the whole Christmas vibe and everything, things that surround Christmas on the holidays. And, of course, the whole, you know, naughty and nice thing. And so just like the naughty bomb just it just came and it, I thought it, I thought it was very funny. And so people responded really well to that. They like that a lot. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things I really enjoy is that now that Krampus has been cooped up for so long, he's actually out in the world, and sometimes the things that he sees in the world really bother him. You know, like he said in the, one of the most recent issues, he was in a dance yeah. <laughs> uh, place, and he, and I love that he speaks German, which I find interesting. Yeah, I mean, well, the the um, the origin of the myth came from Austria, and you know, kind of got cribbed by some of the other countries around that area and you know i i'm an old school comic guy and you know i i read the the claremont x-men with where everyone spoke you know their accents phonetically you know and whatnot and um i wrote the first issue and i gave the script to a friend he's like well you know that i liked it but the krampus talking with the the z's really kind of bugged me and i was like okay so i'll i i went back and tried to change it and then at the end, when I'm writing these things, a lot of times I'll cast actors in my head so I can kind of like do their voices and see how I capture it. And the guy I got for Krampus was an actor in a kind of not great IFC miniseries called Bullet in the Face. It was like the most violent sitcom ever made. <laughs> and um, and he had the most over-the-top, ridiculous... German accent I've ever heard in my life, and I mean, like this, it makes it makes Hogan's Heroes look like you know look <laughs> look look like a Das Boot or something like that. And um, I could not, in good conscience, convey that accent through Krampus without doing the broad Z's for th things for the start of the words. So, and you know, I've had a couple of people like that's just dumb or, you know, that's lousy writing or whatever. And it's like, that's your opinion. And that's all subjective. You know, I think it's great and people and some other people think it's great too. So I stand by it. Damn it. Okay. Well, I like it because it differentiates him from the people around him in the book. You know, we know specifically that's him talking when we see that. And it also adds a little bit of a comedic element to him Yeah. because when he says this stuff, you know, it's so, you know, first of all, you have to accept the idea of the Krampus. Then you have to, when, when he starts talking in, the, in English with a different type of accent, you know, you can't necessarily think he's, you know, he's not going to be a good guy in our concept with that. Right, right. Which I like. And also, I like the fact that he's, uh, you know, he's so disoriented by everything that's going on. And, uh, and, and But he, he doesn't like the Santa Clauses, but he's got to work for him, And so he's kind of torn. And that actually makes me feel sympathetic for him at times yeah I, I really wanted to do i mean i've always i've always really gravitated towards kind of the anti-hero concept and that's definitely how i see him you know he's like he's not the best guy but he's out there doing a good thing mm-hmm. how did the book come to be did you pitch it to uh to idw how did that oh, happen image image like, oh image sorry oh, that's good. i've known eric stevenson for a while and um you know there have been a couple of projects that i came close to doing with image that fell apart for one reason or another but Eric and I are friendly, and so I was down in um, San Francisco, and we decided to go. You know, I just wanted to swim by the offices and see how Image worked and everything. And uh, he and I went out for a beer afterwards, and we were talking about it. And he just asked, "Well, are there any ideas?" This was not long after I had just figured out 
the the Krampus in the role I had in mind, and I mentioned it to him, and we kind of talked a little bit about making it kind of a, a lighter Hellboy kind of thing almost, which you know I, I think I think comes through in this a lot, especially with Dean Kotz's artwork. You know, I hadn't found Dean yet, but um, mm-hmm. you know, Eric liked the idea, and so the idea is to um, do a mini series every holiday season, right around there, like an, an making an annual thing. This one got a little bit thrown off because we were supposed to come out in October, but there were some. Dean was working on another project. I still had Imagine Agents, so we were both getting kind of stretched a little thin. So it came out in December, and now its third issue just came out in February. Ideally these things will run from October through February from now on. So, mm. you know, leading up to and leading out of the holiday season. Mm. So how many issues are in the current miniseries? Is it a 12? It's five. It's five. Five, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm just finishing up the fifth one right now. Um, right ah. now. And it was solicited as an ongoing um, just because I dropped the ball communicating with Image that – and so I was like, well, we can lean into it, see how it goes. And then sales have been okay. They haven't been great. And I think maybe trying to do an ongoing of this, you know, in the traditional sense would probably be more of a detriment to the book's longevity than going away and coming back and correlating that return with the release of a trade around the holidays. And some folks in Image think that this this will do really strongly as a trade. So ideally, you know, do the trade and then do another mini series to kind of build off of any momentum generated by that trade. Mm-hmm. That makes sense because around the holidays, this is a perfect book. That was one thing that I'm kind of interested. You know, in February and March and stuff, we're still dealing with a Christmas thing, mm-hmm. and a lot of people move on from Christmas. You know, the moment Christmas is over, a lot of Christmas lights go down. It was like it never happened. But I happen to be a big Christmas fan, and I play Christmas music every once in a while during the year because I just happen to like it. And so for me, this is nothing unusual. In fact, I kind of like it. It puts me in a Christmas mood, even though the Christmas season is pretty much past. So I like that. I think that that was one of the things when I saw the book, and I realized it was not going to just be like a one-shot, because oftentimes they are. And I thought, man, it's going to be fun to be able to read this kind of stuff beyond the Christmas season. So I like that a lot. Thanks. I'm glad it worked. (laughs) Yeah. It's such a fun story. In that you've got action and you've got character going on. And, of course, in the the most recent issue, we discover that the Santa Clauses have a traitor in their midst. Yes, they do. And I find that really interesting because, you know, I never dreamed for a second that that was ever going to (laughs) happen. So when I saw it, I went, whoa, I said, how can that possibly be? So when you do things like that, that's when you grab me and I I have to know why this happens. I have to know how it's taking place. So when you put the story together, did you know that that was going to happen? when you conceived the story originally? I did, I did. Um, I knew there was going to be a traitor to the Secret Society of Santa Clauses. Um, and I knew... I don't. The issue the issue revealing the full story behind them is issue four, which will be out next month. Um, so I don't really want to go into it too much, but mm-hmm. there is... I, excuse, there are some real-world connotations in the reveal of the traitor, and then what the follow-up there. That was one of the fun things about doing this, was researching all these different things, and then finding things that occurred in real life, and the reasoning behind that, and then incorporating them into this giant world of Santas. And I, I hope, if I've done my job right, I hope when the reveal comes out, people can go back and look at the first issue, first three issues, and think, okay, here's where this is happening, here's where this is happening. It was structured up to this, you know, and mm-hmm. yeah. 
See, that, that's to me the best writing is when you're pointing us in a direction, but we don't know that we're being pointed that way. Right, right. And then when you see something, you go, oh, okay, now that makes sense. And that's my, one of my favorite things in all kinds of writing, yeah. to be honest and with it, you. you know, it, can be, it can be a detriment to a degree because there are some people who they really want all the answers right up and they're not, they're, they're not really invested in playing the long game or they don't have the patience to wait for the complete story. And, and, you know, and I've been, I've been guilty of this before too, reading comics or something where, you know, an issue comes out and something happens and, you know, you get, you get angry because like they killed off your favorite character or something like that. And then two issues later, the character's reborn or something like that. And it's just like, all right, I should have just waited it out. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, I've, I've had a few people decry the book without getting the full picture. So, and I, and I, and I think I tend to write in a way that's very chapter by chapter oriented. So mm-hmm. I'm not concerning myself with cushioning people for, you know, well, this isn't over yet. It's like just, you know, if you're going to stick around, you're going to stick around, and I hope you dig it. If you're going to go, then thanks for trying, and hopefully you'll hear some stuff and come back. You know, I'm not I'm not really trying to cater to make sure everyone's happy and everyone's, you know, down with it. Because today it seems like almost all writing, like television shows and everything, are doing those kinds of things. You don't get, I mean, like 24, for example, was an ideal example of how... You know, a story would be told, but it took 24 episodes to get the whole story going. Yeah. And so, to me, I don't understand people if it, you know, if you can engage me enough in the first issue or two, and, I, and with Krampus, I was, I loved it right from the start. I thought it was so good yeah. and so much fun to see that. And so what, what I start to do is I don't expect you to tell me everything right in the beginning. I want to be teased and pulled along, and I want to know what's going on. That's the way you're writing it to me is just an ideal way to go about it because, man, I'm just gripped. I can't wait for the next issue to come out. Well, thanks, thanks. It's just a, a good job that you're doing with it. I love it. I, I did want to ask you, though, when, you, when the traitor was revealed, did you get any kind of reaction from people who liked that certain Santa Claus? No, not yet, not yet. I, haven't, I don't think I've received... No, that's not true. I've received one bit of mail on issue three yet. I'm figuring that probably the next couple of weeks I'll get a few more. I'll get a few more emails about that. Um, I will say, I will say, there is one writer who wrote in who, to his credit, he uh, he didn't get the traitor, but he got the story behind the traitor really oh. quickly. And I was like, wow, that's good, dude. And so. I had to write, you know, I published his letter, but I did it like, you know, edited and blacked out after I got his permission, of course. I didn't want to like, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't want to, you know, make him seem like I was like censoring him or anything like that. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I was, I was like, oh, damn it. I hope, you know, is everyone going to know this? Unfortunately, I don't think anyone else has. A lot of people have been surprised. And that guy was just unusually savvy in his Christmas lore. Ah. So. Uh. <laughs> See, I was surprised. I didn't realize that. And I, in fact, I didn't expect there to ever be a traitor in Santa Claus's because, you know, they're all pointing toward the same thing. And I, I couldn't understand why somebody would, would not do that. And I guess you're going to explain to us how that's going to happen. So I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, issue four, you'll see the full reveal of the traitor and you'll get some pages of his backstory to see, you know, what brought him to that point where he was being a traitor. Mm, I'm sure looking forward to that because that'll be a great fun thing. Now, you you said before that there was going to be, you're you're hoping to do these like every holiday season. Mm -hmm. Now, is it always going to be Krampus or are you going to do other kinds of stories? My my plan is to always do Krampus. I mean, what I would love to do is do Krampus for Christmas and then maybe some point during the year 
do like a Doc Holiday special, you know, like because ah. we introduced Doc Holiday at the end of issue two, and he got he kind of went center stage in issue three, and the idea behind that is he's the classic Doc Holiday, but this grand cosmic force of the Yuletide saw the name Holiday and assumed he was some bastion of the Yuletide season. And so they brought him back to life and made him immortal. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm just a guy and that's my last name. It's, you know, you spell it with two L's and the thing is like, well, crap, you know, and so, <laughs> but Doc Holiday runs a bar and that bar is filled with, with like cupids and leprechauns. And there's a, you know, Easter bunny and everything like that. And so, I don't want to focus too much on the extended world. I mean, it's the Krampus' story, and I want to make sure that, you know, there's so many Christmas things we haven't even dealt with. The, I will say the second miniseries, um, we're going to be bringing in elements of, well, one, it's a lot of it's hinging around one Germanic legend over starting Christmas, but then there will also be components of, like, Dickens' Christmas Carol and Elfring Bombs' The Life and Time of Santa Claus. So all these other literary sources brought in with the legends and whatnot. It's just, it's just fun to figure out how to make all that stuff mesh. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so I, I, getting back to the original question, all the miniseries will be about Krampus around Christmas. And then ideally I'll do like a Doc Holiday special where you like, you know, hunt down a rogue leprechaun around, you know, March or something like that. I don't know, but we'll see how it goes. You know, ultimately it all boils down to money and whatnot. And, uh, you know, whether or not there's a demand for that. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like fun to me because I don't see a time when I'll ever get too much holiday stuff because I love those kinds of things. And to see Krampus kind of rise up, you know, I, I we've done so many of the holiday things and there's a lot of tradition involved with it. But to see something new that we didn't understand and America rise up and kind of grab our attention was that you were riding the wave right at the perfect time. I know. It was not planned, I promise you. I just hit this weird cultural zeitgeist at the right time. <laughs> Well, that's good. I mean, yeah. you, you're actually ahead of the curve, so that's a good thing. And that's what's making this so much fun is because I've, I've read some other Krampus stories people have tried to do, and they weren't really very much – they weren't, I didn't think, thought out all that well. But you've got the whole thing thought out, and as you go along, I actually like that you're bringing in some of the other elements of it so that we can go along and see those things because there is this – magic or mysteriousness about the holidays that I think you've tapped into, especially with Krampus, and I think it's such a great idea. Well, thank you. It's such a good thing. I'm looking forward to all the other things that you're going to do because this is going to be great fun. I'm, I'm anxious to see how this wraps up. <laughs> I'm yeah, curious to see. I hope you'll be pleased. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I, 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 knew, I, knew, I knew the last page of the five-issue mini almost the second I started to write it, and it's going to be I'm going to be curious what people think about it. It's uh, I won't I won't say any more. But okay. issue five, page twenty four, is going to be. We'll see. We'll see if it's the game changer or not. We'll see. Because you know, I, I'm curious as to, and of course, don't you don't have to answer this, but I'm curious as to how he's going to function after this gets resolved. Mm-hmm. You know, is he going to still be wearing that bomb? I would actually like to see Krampus a little more unchained sure. in the next time along, and that to me would be the. Uh, it, it would almost be fun to see him interact with kids, you know, the bad kids, and see what happens. <laughs> so it'll be fun to see. But it's such a good book, and I really enjoy it, and I'm so glad that you're doing it because, man, it's just a pleasure for me to read. And like I said, you are on target. If you planned it, you couldn't have done it this well. well thank, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm glad you're, <laughs> glad you're enjoying it. I'm, I'm glad everyone's enjoying it who is. They, uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun to put together, and um, like I said, it's kind of – 
I, I, like I said in the first issue in the letter column, you know, there have been so many projects that I had a, you know, crack at image with, and then they didn't really come to pass for whatever reason. I'm really happy that this is the one that finally got me over the top. You know, I'm, I'm this is this is so in my wheelhouse as far as the writing style and everything that it's yeah I'm going to be happier. No, that's great. Now, as far as other projects, are there other things that you're working on? We know you, you've talked a little bit about the holiday things coming up. Do you have other things that we should be aware of? Well, I do have another book that was approved at Image, and we are in the very early stages of that right now. I don't really want to talk about that too much just because, okay. you know, you never know. Things can change. But, um, right. but you know, they did approve it. We um, There is an artist attached, and... You know, hopefully, I don't know if it'll be late this year or early next year that um, it hits the shelves. But um, it's definitely it's definitely a little different from what I've done so far. But I think people will like it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what people think about it. Beyond that, I have um, you know I'm I'm pitching regularly to Boom um, and talking to Arca- there are Arca line about a couple projects. Um, one of which I'm waiting to hear back on. Hopefully I'll get it. Would without giving any details, it would be my first licensed property, which would be awesome, and it's a mm-hmm. it's a property that I really enjoyed. So, um, cool. hopefully that'll come to pass. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I'm working on some new pitches for Image as well. And so, mm-hmm. you know, my main goal it took me ten years from the cancellation of Seven Guys to get Imagine Agents and then Krampus out on the shelves. So, you know, I have no interest in another 10 years going by before I hit again. So, <laughs> so my, my goal for, four, for 2014 and subsequent years is, are just um, to maintain and keep going and keep, you know, getting my name out there and, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully to get the, uh, you know, just keep going up the, uh, the, comic, the comic writer evolutionary ladder, if you will. And, mm-hmm. yeah, so... Uh, I can I can, I, know th- I can write a, I can write a mean Superman if I wanted to you know if I if I had the opportunity you know mm-hmm. that's funny I was just thinking I wondered how you would do on a uh, superhero Long John's type book I, I think, I mean, you know I think I would do okay I mean I I'll be the first to admit that my taste tend to gravitate tends to gravitate towards the the lesser known characters I mean I would rather you know I would love to do a Doom Patrol book I mean if I mm-hmm. if I had a, if I had my brothers for a DC property, I would love to do a Doom Patrol book. Um, and Marvel, I mean, I <laughs> Marvel, I would love to try. Um, now, when Dan Slott was doing the the Avengers Initiative series, and all of the heroes got, or every state got their own, you know, super team. There was a team in Hawaii called, I think, the Point Men, and. They're just there in Hawaii to, you know, fight crime. And then if a giant monster came over from Japan, they were the first line of defense. And it's like, I want to write that book. I'm going to write the book of Stingray and Devil Slayer just kind of chilling in Hawaii. And then all of a sudden, like, giant, you know, Godzilla shows up or something like that. And they have to deal with it. I mean, that's, that'd be my ideal Marvel book to write. But, I mean, you know, I've had people tell me I'd be, they could see me do Deadpool or something like that with my sense of humor. And, yeah, I, you know, I, I'd love to try Deadpool. You know, I'm... At this point, like I said, I'm just open to I'm just open to trying anything and you know trying to keep quote unquote the brand going, which I hate to think in those terms, but you kind of have to. 
Yeah. Well, I hope you get to because I'd really like to see it. I, I think you do a great take on some of these characters. You know, it always—it's funny you mentioned Stingray because Stingray is one of my favorite Marvel yeah. characters. I—I <laughs> I don't gravitate towards the upper-level Marvels. I go to those like Stingray and Black Knight and all those those like third-tier ones are the ones that I really like. So whenever they're around, I'm going at it, and and I would love to see you get a chance to do some of those. That would be great fun. Thanks. Yeah, I would love that too. I. Uh well, one of my one of my favorite writers is uh, James Robinson, as far as the the you know superhero side of things goes. And uh, the reason one of the reasons I like him is because he also always gravitates towards like you know he has so many you know if you read Starman or um, even even when he's when interviews with invaders or stuff like that, he's always talking about these just like sea level or, um, you know, these long forgotten, you know, golden age characters he wants to like polish off and bring back or that sort of thing. And I, and I love that. I love, it's such a rich history. Both of these companies have, and it's kind of a shame if everyone just focuses on, you know, the same you know, yeah. Spider-Man, Hulk, Captain America, X-Men, or, you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, you know, Green Lantern thing, you know, there's, it's, yeah. there's so much more you can do with it. Yeah, well, I agree. I agree. One of the things I'm really glad is that this uh, Krampus is coming out from Image because, man, Image is on the upswing right now. As, as much as you got into Krampus at the right time, I think being an Image was another good thing because I was watching the Image things where they were bringing out, trotting out all this new talent that uh, they were bringing into the company. And I just thought, wow, I said, thank goodness Krampus is there because it's great to be at an up and rising company like Image. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you. You caught the wave on that one too, I think. I know, image, image is image is killing it right now. I mean, you know, and I, I would honestly, I would say image is basically, you know, I mean, and that's that's part of the reason why they, you know, they did the image expo and they were to, able to drag out all of these, you know, huge names, you know, like, you know, you're, they're, they're dropping. I mean, you know, Ed Brubaker's been doing stuff there for a while, and Rick Remender, you know, has been doing stuff there off and on, but um, like, you know, Morrison, you know, I mean, it's like just. You know, Mark Millar now, it's like, you know, it's these are guys at the top of their game who kind of went through the, you know, the work for hire thing and became names there. And now they're going back to do the stories they really, really want to do. And I hope that Bendis gets just, you know, when his contract is up with Marvel, he takes a chance and starts doing more creator owned stuff. I mean, I know he did. What was it like Scarlet? I think at Marvel Icon or whatever that's called. And, uh, and he moved powers over there, but I just, it's still, it's still kind of part of the corporate system to a degree. And I'm not wanting to decry that, but you know, if you look at his earlier stuff, like torso and goldfish and even the, uh, the, the story of trying to get torso made as a movie, I can't remember what, I can't remember what that book was called off the top of my head, but, uh, that's the Bendis I love. I mean, that's the, that's the Bendis whose work I just thrive on, you know, and, and, you know, you you see bits of that in you know his X Men stuff or his old Avengers stuff, but it's just not the pure unbridled stuff. And so I hope for a return to that of that guy someday. Mm-hmm. Now, I did notice an interesting thing on the Wizard World site. You bring up Ben this entertains me. There's a sentence that says his middle name is Michael, and he spends a lot of time working on his signature, so it reads like Bendis. Yes, I'm I'm Brian Michael Joins, and so I was like, you know. I'd, if I can start signing the Bendis checks and start getting the Bendis checks, then yeah. it's all it's all gravy from here, baby. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's kind of funny because one one person was asked when they were replacing Jeff Johns on a comic, what's the thing you want to accomplish most? And he said, I'd like to get the same sales that Jeff Johns gets. <laughs> there said so, so that's a great thing. So okay, and you know I think you're doing a terrific job, and I hope you continue to do it. And I'm looking forward to all this cramp. It sounds like that's kind of a done deal to have more of it coming. So I'm very happy. So I think that's good. Keep up the great work, and man, you're doing some great stuff that I love to read. Well, thank you, and I appreciate that. No Xbox games or candy canes made of peppermint brings the pain of another cane of corporal punishment. So if the kids misbehave, you do well to remember to don the garb of Krampus on the 5th of December. That's the traditional day for us to celebrate. Krampus, Krampus, look out kids, he's Krampus, 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 swing your birch switch high. Krampus, Krampus, he's the anti-Santi Krampus, 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 swing your bird switch high. Merry Krampus, everybody. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne, as a man. I'm flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. Now at Majorspoilers.com. two news items I think you should be aware of. First, Green Lantern, the animated series, is coming to Blu-ray and DVD, hopefully. All 26 episodes of the show are included in HD, and it's available for pre-order now on Amazon at a retail price of $29.99. Look for it to arrive on March 18, 2014. Now, Green Lantern, the animated series, received critical and fan acclaim despite early concerns about all the CGI animation. Starring Josh Keaton as Hal Jordan, fans love the interaction between him and his crewmates. Guest stars from various areas and eras of the Green Lantern mythos included Sinestro and the Blue Lanterns. And fans apparently fell in love with the tragic relationship between Aya and Razor. I think you're going to enjoy this. It's going to be coming out around the time when Beware the Batman and Batman the Brave and the Bold arrive on Blu-ray soon. Everybody now is holding their breath for Young Justice. The second news story has an interesting follow-up to something I talked about last year. You may remember the story of Bat Kid. Miles Scott, who's five years old and has been battling leukemia. San Francisco actually turned over the city to him, and they hired somebody to play Batman, and they named him Bat Kid. He went around in the Batmobile all over the city and basically took on Bat villains and good things like that. Well, now it turns out that he was supposed to appear on the Oscars, and I didn't know this. 
What happened instead was that he went to Disneyland with Andrew Garfield, the star of Amazing Spider-Man. At the last second, apparently, the segment where the two appeared was withdrawn, and so what they did instead was to go to Disneyland together. And it was a nice thing for them to do. I thought that was kind of a great way to make up for this poor kid, you know, who's struggling with leukemia, and he didn't get to be on the Oscars. That would have been a wonderful surprise had that happened. Still, they went ahead and prepared a segment, and he got to go to Disneyland, and that's a nice thing for him. Anything to do with him, I think that's a great thing. And that's the news for this week. By the way, the Krampus song that bookended Brian's interview was written and performed by Jordan Dobbs Rosa. Just FYI. And that's it for this episode. Next week will be episode 124, and I'll have a great interview for that. But the next week will be episode 125, and I've got something special planned for that. So be sure not to miss it. But until then, keep reading your comics.